Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you might remember back in the summer of 2019 when this podcast organized and sponsored the Hey Amarillo Beer Fest. This was a craft beer showcase event and concert at Starlight Ranch, and it highlighted local breweries like Pondicetta, Long Wooden Spoon, Six Car, and, and other breweries from Borger all the way down to Lubbock. So we were in the middle of planning a follow-up event last year because the 2019 event was really successful. But of course, COVID forced us to delay our plans for a long time and then just cancel. Uh, but we're back at it for 2021, for this year, this summer, and it's going to be a lot bigger event. More breweries, more fun, more people. So go ahead and save the date. It's Saturday, July 31st, this summer, for the second ever Hey Amarillo Beer Fest out at Starlight Ranch. I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. Today's guest is Alani Dihokubwayo. Alani is one of the youngest podcast guests I've interviewed so far. He's just a couple of years beyond his high school graduation. But he's got a story I want my listeners to hear. Number one, Alani comes from a refugee family. He arrived in Texas as a kid after pretty much growing up in refugee camps in Africa. And so we talk about that experience. But number two, since graduating from Paladuro, Alani has become a successful entrepreneur. In 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, he launched the Faith Industries Apparel Company. He sells online to almost every state in the United States. And if you pay attention, you'll definitely see people in Amarillo wearing his gear. So he's still early in his personal journey, but I wanted to make sure you were aware of that journey so far. So here's Alani Dihokubwayo. Alani Dihokubwayo, welcome to the Hamrilla Podcast. Thanks Thank, for being here. Thanks for having me. Did I say your name right? Yes, sir, you did. Okay, good. <laughs> I've been practicing. Thanks for being on the show. I, I'm, I'm honored to have you as a guest, and I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my guests and ask, why are you here? How did you end up in the Amarillo area? And I know your story might be a little bit more involved than some of my other guests' stories, so... Uh, yeah, so my story is a little different. My family comes from a hum very humble beginnings. I was born in Tanzania, Africa, uh, raised here in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, but before we came here in Amarillo, my family actually um, migrated over, uh, moving back and forth through different refugee camps in Tanzania. And at the time, they were just uh, they was facing backlashes from a civil war. So it was we never really had a place that we could really truly call home. It wasn't until uh, we was introduced to a resettlement program at the time where, uh, uh, just by the grace of God, uh, my dad was able to get in connection with people from uh, just uh, missionaries from Europe. And I was able to, like, help him with the steps that he needed to take to get into that resettlement program. And uh, fast forward later, 2006, uh, we was able to come here to the uh, United States. The place that we uh, first uh, migrated here was actually in Dallas, Texas. Okay. So you can imagine just the culture shock that I had as a child, just uh, just growing up in Africa, just the, how different it is, not really seeing buildings and cities and things, things of that nature. Uh, when I really was exposed to a big city like Dallas, one of the big, busiest cities in the United States, yeah. it was just kind of like huge culture shock. At the time, uh, 
we didn't know uh, how to perceive things just because our English wasn't uh, very strong and uh, we're still trying to adapt with the uh, area around us and things like that. So uh, in a resettlement program, when uh, when immigrants move over to a different country, uh, the government usually assign like a, a host for that uh, family. So we was, uh, was um, able to have a host to like guide us around the city. In Dallas? In still? Dallas. Mm-hmm. And um, they was able to help us out so much. Like uh, I, we don't know what would have happened or what the outcome of our family would have been if, if it wasn't for that host. There was uh, more more like family and they introduced us to the church and uh, different communities and things like that. So it was just, it was a really honor to just, uh, for, to, for the government to be even do that for us. Uh, so that's really what the, my story began. And fast forward around 2012, our family, uh, my dad heard about a, a job opportunity here in um, Amarillo okay. and Tyson and JVS. And he uh, just, because with most immigrants, when they come here in the United States, uh, obviously, because our language barrier and things like that, it's really hard to find a job. And even if you had a degree in another country, it wouldn't right. be exactly like, it wouldn't be valid here. So my dad decided to take take a chance on this job opportunity. And he moved to Amarillo for a couple months uh, just to and just when he had enough money for us, for all of us to move together as a family. So uh, fast forward around 2012, it was when the first time my family uh uh, was introduced here in Amarillo, and it was just, um, it was different. It was, it was in Dallas. It's but not Dallas. It's not Dallas, but it was, it was, uh, it wasn't too big, but it wasn't too small of a city. Either. So I think uh, for us at the time, it was something that we needed, and it was also um, there was a lot of people uh, within our community, people uh, from Tanzania, other other uh, familiar faces that our parents knew that really? um, the fair, yeah, uh, that we was very comfortable uh, just. Just uh, moving moving forward here, just because we knew so many people here, we knew we had a community here too to come to. Unlike Dallas, it was very hard. Just there wasn't too many of us there at the yeah. time. Yeah, how how old were you when you moved to Dallas? When you you made that move? I was actually six years old. Six years old. Okay, so you were twelve years old when you came to Amarillo. Oh uh, yes, sir. Um, do you remember anything? I mean, six years old is pretty young. Do you remember much about your life in Tanzania? I actually do. Like, I re- I remember uh, pretty vivid things, like just going to school, and like uh, just the way the the school system is there too. I just uh, it's very different from America. Just uh, so uh, the school system in a- Africa, it's uh, is it's place where at a young age uh, you uh, you are learning. Uh, other languages. Okay. So by the time where you in middle school, high school, you've already got a hack for those languages. So I had already uh, been Tanzania, uh, second main second language being French. I was learning that. So I remember, I remember learning French. I remember uh, also trying to learn English. Uh, heard hearing the news that we were able to come to America. So I was uh, learning the basics like mm-hmm. hi, thank you, welcome, and things like that. And uh, so I remember stories like that. I remember, I remember stories of friends, but very, very like slight, a very slight memory. But for the most part, I remember a few things of it, about it. Were, were those memories before you, your family started going through the refugee resettlement camps and, and moving around or were most of those memories, you know, of that transitional period? Most of them was at uh, the transition period. So, like, uh, so we'll move from school to school just because uh, we was moving in different locations. And at the time, the the distance between one location to another was 
pretty massive. It was okay. like, it, you, it was a long walk. So we kind of had to like start over, but gladly we had like different families at each location and we was able to like settle with them at the time. So it was, it also brought uh, a peace of mind knowing that we had family at the other side of wherever we was traveling. Okay. So you arrived in Amarillo at 12 years old, which is a, it's a, a hard age anyway, yeah. you know? Um, so tell me what that's like moving to a new city Starting, you know, middle school, I guess. Yeah. You're probably still learning English. Um, <laughs> to this day. Yeah, all those things. Like, <laughs> tell me tell me what those first, you know, couple of years were like as you got your footing here. So, uh, the first couple of years were rough. Uh, just because, honestly, when I came in on Rillo, I didn't want to be here. Uh, Low-key kind of missed Dallas just because I had built so many f- uh, friendships there and things like that. So, it was hard saying goodbye to some of my friends back in Dallas, so and I, and I really at the time I was, um, I was kind of an angry child, you know. I was uh, when I tell people that they don't believe me, but uh, I really was. And when I got here, uh, actually at the apartments we stayed at the Lakeview Apartments down in uh, Northside Town, and um, I got in so many fights with different uh, all the, like I got in fights with every kid in that in those apartments, and just because I don't know, I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel like. Um, I wanted to be there and things like that. So it, it was definitely hard and um, definitely hard transition. But o- over time, I uh, just kind of like had a peace about it just because I knew this is it was best for my family. It was a good opportunity for my family to uh, to have a job that was stable, a job that was uh, giving them enough income for them to be able to do what they felt like they wanted to do and for us to have the things that we wanted at the time. So um uh, as I got older, I was uh, I became more mature about it. Obviously, uh, I became uh, just more aware of kind of like our situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really triggered uh, the maturity out of me at a young age at the time. And you talk about getting older. You're still a very young guy, right? <laughs> how, how old are you? Uh, Twenty. Twenty. About to be right. 21. So, um, did you have any siblings who came with you? I mean, what how what was your family size? Uh, at the time, it was a family of three. Three. Okay. And um, now we're a family of five. And I was, I'm the oldest out of five. And at the time, uh, so like, uh, just give you a fun fact about our culture in Africa. So the culture in Africa, we all have different last names, even though we're family. So uh, when we came to the United States, we all, uh, all having different last names. Most of us didn't believe it when we said we're a family, you know, because right. we don't have different last names. And I thought, I thought Americans were weird because y'all all had the same last name. Okay. That's weird, you know? And uh, so when... Well, my little brother and my little sister was actually they ended up actually being born in Dallas. So uh my dad uh, ended up they ended up taking my dad's last name, both of them. So they're the only people, they're the only like siblings who actually has the same last name. So it was just I think it's a little uh it's a little it's kind of funny that uh, all our names are kind of like scattered all over the place. Right. And, <laughs> and it still yeah, confuses people. It still I confuses guess. people to this day. Dude, have you had any conversations with your parents um, about, you know, the decision to come to Amarillo from Dallas looking for that kind of opportunity. Um, I mean, obviously they've stayed here for yeah. eight years now uh, and, and your family is kind of planted here. Did, did Amarillo kind of meet the expectations that they had coming here to, to find work and, and to find a place? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think so. Cause mo- many, many of the friends that we still have in Dallas, aren't where we are they aren't where we are right now okay. financially and 
also in housing matter, you know. I think if we were still in Dallas, we'd probably be still living in apartments just because uh, the jobs that both of my parents have wasn't the, wasn't the uh, jobs that would really get them out, out of that, out of those situations. Okay. And just because um, I think Amarillo definitely, like, met all of our expectations just because the community that we was able to uh, to form here, uh, honestly, within our own within our own tribe and within our own people was beyond our expectations. We f- have almost our own little community amongst Amarillo and my parents really love that because they have people they can lean. They have another community besides Amarillo, which they can lean on people from their, their own, uh, their own people. And I think that's something that uh, us as our culture that we really take pride in our people and really knowing that um, we can um, have each other's back when mm. things get tough and things like that. So I think uh, having that system in place here in Amarillo was something that was very beneficial for my family, uh, just uh, f- from that transition from Dallas, something that we didn't have at the time. And there's there are a lot of conversations, you know, on one hand, it's very important for you to find the people that share your culture, that yeah. share your experiences, you know, Tanzanian people, living here in Amarillo, but it's also important to, you know, to live in Amarillo and, and find your way outside of that yeah. and, and to balance those two things. And I wonder if that was something that, um, as, as a kid, it's going to be a lot easier because you're going to school, you're mm-hmm. meeting people uh, of, of all different nationalities. Um, but sometimes for parents, that's harder. And I wonder, like, if, if your family, you ever talked about that, uh, the importance of, of learning the language, of getting out into the culture and not just relying on the very most familiar parts of, of what you found. Oh yeah. So uh, when I was in actually when I was in high school, uh, I was kind of bad at that just because I I only stick to my culture and kind of like have our own little bubble, never really like uh, ch- transition on into like getting to know the getting to know the pros and cons and other other people's uh, coaches and things like that. So definitely uh, definitely now uh, it's something that even now I still talk about with my parents and. Um, even with my siblings, you know, how important uh, culture, how important uh, it is to uh, know where you come from and know uh, know the value of uh, your history and things like that. So uh, for me, it was just kind of like something I also myself am still growing into this day, you know, mm-hmm. just because uh, there's still very a lot of things I still don't know about my own culture and something I'm still trying to educate myself and Hopefully, if guys willing, I want to also impart that uh, my own experience and my and my own history to my own family to be able to uh, have that culture experience, to be able to have that those um, that history uh, within themselves. So yeah, that's something I really take pride in now, just just because uh, my uh, my family history and and also my own growth. Do you still have family in Tanzania? Oh, all my family. So are, are you able to keep in touch with them? Oh, uh, so and- yes, through uh, what. What's up app? We're able, we're able to uh, stay in touch with very few of them, but literally like all my family, like grandma, aunts, cousins, all of them are there. The uh, we we are the only family out of our family group that came here in the United States. So were there others that tried to come and just weren't able to get that refugee status? Yeah, it was just it's really hard, especially just because at the time it was just kind of like this racial tension. Mm-hmm. So it was just very hard to just let like. I think the only reason we even got the opportunity to even uh, get through the resettlement program is because the connections that my dad had through uh, through different missionaries that came okay. through Europe. I think that's the only reason we even got here because was, everybody was trying to come to the United States just because the hype that's around uh, America. You know, I think uh, America has a huge influence in from 
in, in other countries, you know, I think everybody, uh, they hear about freedom, they hear about things like that, and they want to, they attract, those things attract uh, people from different countries that who are not, who don't have the pleasure of having the privileges that we have here in the United States. Is that hype justified? Like, having lived here for a while, like... <laughs> Is is it true? I mean, to an extent, to an extent. I mean, uh, I'm not gonna say uh, ever since I've been here, I, we had the most perfect uh, <laughs> the American gym or whatnot. Yeah. It's been perfect, but I think uh, it's it's better than what could have been in my country. You know, I think if I would have grew up there, it would have been a whole different story. But I think uh, um, I think the United States definitely uh, uh, has given us opportunities, definitely to really like do something better for ourselves and and for our family. So I think really we've we've taken advantage of the hype by taking advantage of our education, by taking advantage of the things that are free here and I say they're not so free in other countries that that we're able to succeed as uh, uh that's why you hear so much uh immigrant success stories because mm-hmm. when immigrants come here they know it's this there's no games being played. You know, we this is an opportunity and we need to take it. They're driven. They're driven. There's a there's a more hunger and a in a thirst to success and to 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 uh, want to do better for themselves because they know what they're coming out of. I know you went to Paladuro High School. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience because Paladuro is one of those really unique oh, yeah. places in Amarillo where you've got students from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of languages, um, nationalities, all those things. It's a real melting pot oh, yeah. uh, in Amarillo. And I wonder if you, you, know, you, you covered it a little bit talking about how you kind of stuck with with your Tanzanian friends for a while, but, but tell me how going to school those four years there kind of, you know, influenced your path. Uh, it's a tough one just cause PD, like as you say, is a very, it has a very melting pot culture. And, uh, at the time going into uh, PD didn't really realize that at the time until you go to other, visit other high schools. But, um, PD has really influenced me to really take pride in, uh, that I'm different, that that I'm diverse, you know, and it's okay to be it's okay to be uh, different, you know, and I think uh, uh, the culture that's being cultivated over there in Pelador is something that's strong, is something that I wish every um, every high school had, you know, because I think it, when you're young and when you're exposed to uh, different uh, cultures and uh, different ethnic groups at a young age, I think it helps you it helps you see from it gives you the ability to say I can see you from a different perspective, you know, and I think that's something that definitely that our community and our nation needs right now. I think uh, uh, that's really at a, at a young age, something that was subconsciously being cultivated in my heart, heart while I was at PD, just even though I was, um, I spent most of my time with <laughs> uh, my Tanzania friends, I was also able to uh, interact with people who, who were refugees from Thailand or China and Asia, different parts of Asia and even and Africa and things like that. So I think it was, for me, uh, it was like, wow, like, uh, wow, I didn't know, like, there could be such a, a, a sh- huge difference amongst, uh, like, stories, amongst so much refugee. I'm like, wow, I'm lucky I came in this way mm-hmm. and uh, didn't have to go through kind of like some of the people do. Like, I take pride in that. And I think uh, hearing... Sh- uh, being at PD, I was able to hear so many different stories, like success stories, so many different, like, uh, how people got American stories and how it was just, it's, it's different. And I think, uh, it's really influenced me now just cause like, uh, it's given me a heart for, 
uh, not just my people, but all people to really like, uh, I think we all uh, deserve a, a seat at the table, regardless of your race, regardless of where you came from. I think we all de de deserve that fair uh, chance to sit at the table. And I think uh, that's something that, that I think that's something that, uh, that began to cultivate in my heart, like I said earlier, subconsciously at a young age. What year did you graduate? Was it last year? Or? Uh, yeah, last year. Okay. 2019. 2019. Yeah. Um, so you got out before everything got crazy. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit. I, I know that you've you've taken a couple of interesting paths uh, since then. So talk to me about what you've done since you graduated. So since I graduated, I actually went, spent a year at WT, um, and then I transitioned over to um, where am I at now? At Oral Roberts University, mm -hmm. uh, and ever since then, it's kind of like uh, uh, I've kind of been getting more aware and really like uh, really what I wanted to do and things like that. So, and like you said uh, from the start of the podcast, I've been introduced to so many people from outside the United States and uh, built connections and a network from people who I've never thought I uh, have connections to. And uh, I think school has really like uh, given me not only the um, connections, but it's given me uh, also the uh, the ability to like uh, see to uh, to see people uh, from uh, different culture groups. So I, I know a lot of people will go to college because they want to learn a career. Yeah. Um, you've actually established a career for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> while you're already or, or just in your second year. Um, and, and you run a clothing company. So tell me a little bit about how that developed and, and what the plan is with that. So it developed, honestly, I'm going to say developed at a young age. Uh, so when I was 10 years old, I was exposed to uh, business and uh, little just fragments of entrepreneurship uh, just from my dad. Just I was watching him do uh, handle like real estate and motorcycle companies through uh, internationally uh, through his home country in Burundi. And I think at a young age, that's kind of it planted a seed in me. And when I got um, when I got older, I kind of like lose out of that uh, kind of like that seed. And uh, just because I started playing uh, organized sports in middle school and high school, and that kind of distracted me from what I, from really what was really what my heart was yearning for at the time. And uh, so I say around sophomore year, obviously I played basketball because I had also had dreams of playing the NBA. But and uh, but later on after that, it was just kind of like I just came to that realization like. Uh, I wanted to do every and in anything I do, I wanted I wanted to do with passion and I wanted to do, I wanted to outwork everybody, uh, whether that was basketball, whether that was business. So when um, after sophomore year, I, I kind of I went in a season what I've called dating myself. Okay. I had uh, I tried to figure out what I like and didn't like about myself, uh, just things I was good at and wasn't good at, and it was um, in the midst of that process, uh, uh, God re brought back in remembrance of that that's uh that seed that was planted in me at a young age which was in in entrepreneurship and um from that seed it was as if god had poured something in my spirit and i and i knew that this was something i was supposed to be doing okay it was and once i started walking in that it was if i felt like it was as if i was drinking water for the first time it was it was just uh that I had to stay in rhythm with him because I knew that the vision uh, came from him and the manufacturer. And the only way to materialize um, what he's put in my heart is to stay in tune, to stay in rhythm with him. And um, so, as my as a believer, uh, going into um, going to my junior, year, I took um, entrepreneur classes and things like that. And 
that entrepreneur class really changed my perspective and how I saw a business. First question, uh, literally uh, my teacher asked the first day of the class is, if you could have your own business, what would it be? Hmm. And that question just plundered my mind all day. I'm like, everybody just kind of like, Ryan, whatever, and I'm just like, uh, have a blank piece of paper, like wh- what kind of business would I want to do? And um, so in high school, I, I always dress up a lot, you know, because it's high school, you know, you, you dress to impress. And uh, and a buddy of mine looked at me, hey, Alon, have you ever thought about starting a clothing brand? I was like, a clothing brand? I, mean, I don't even know what, what that looked like. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, and at the time, I didn't even know what the clothing industry would um, even offer and things like that. So that idea kind of like stuck with me and I, and I was like, hmm. And I, I just kind of like, um, it was just kind of like a light bulb hit up in my head and I was like, wow, maybe it, uh, there could be something here. And uh, so when I began to like really like uh, go deep, deep, deep into it, when I really began to deep with that, I began to just uh, plunder my ownership because as a believer, I wanted to create something bigger than myself and I wanted to create something authentic. And um, th- that's when I came up with the name uh, Faith Industry. Just uh, I wanted to be based off, of, at the end of the day, it's just merch and I wanted to be based off of God's authority. So I wanted to build something that, I, again, like bigger than myself. At the time, as I was looking to different like Christian uh organizations in the Christian retail industry, I was honestly frustrated with the lack of creativity within the Christian retail. Just cause like I'm a firm believer that as 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 believers who have a relationship with the creator, like we should be our creativity should be be able to set us apart. And I think uh uh what I wanted to do and the clothes that I want to make that I, I wasn't really seeing in the way that I I wanted to. And I was like, if it's not, if I, if I can't see it in the way I want it, I'm just going to create one. And uh, so uh, fast forward to uh, after I graduated, it was kind of like, um, that's when I really began the venture, really just taking steps into it. So I started uh, selling shirts out of the chunk of my car and making personal deliveries and really just uh, uh, being uh, meeting people where they at and really just uh, being face-to-face interaction, really just kind of like building my brand integrity and things like that. And that's really like the birth of um, Faith Industry took took place really uh, from a, from a genuine place. But before I before I really like stepped out, I wanted to consult with um, with myself, and I was like, Alon, if 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 this if this thing that I want for myself, if it's pure, you know, like uh, I I told God, if my intention for this is uh, if it's not pure, take this away from me. Hmm. But if it is, if it is, help me steward it. And uh, at that moment, I knew that uh, I knew that at the end of the day that uh, it wasn't mine, and I wanted to honor uh, the manufacturer, and I wanted to honor the the uh, the creator in this. So I wanted I wanted to uh, obviously do it do it to the base, uh, best of my ability. So yeah, that's really what the where where it really all started. And I I, I should say, a lot of people may hear, let's say, a high school student. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I want to start a clothing company, or I want to create some T-shirts and sell them, and they think, oh, that's that's cute, you know, yeah. go do that, and you know, you'll make a hundred dollars and sell some shirts. But like, you're a legit business, and I, I I remember my son plays for Amarillo High, and I remember our last game against Paladuro was at PD, and I knew about Faith Industries, mm-hmm. I knew about your clothing. And I looked across at the crowd, and I saw all of these PD <laughs> students wearing your gear. And I was wow. like, "Man, Alani has, <laughs> you know, he's got an audience there." And and I, I I think that the steps you've taken just in a couple of years, you know, really do reflect that 
that drive that you you say you know kind of comes with the the refugee experience that you come here looking for a better life and you're like ready to go and as somebody who's 20 years old you know you've already started a fashion line that's gaining some traction yeah it's a very it's a very humble experience for me to to honestly be uh to see just how quickly it's grown you know not just not just in, in in my community but also through different cities and states so it's just uh that's what i uh that's why i feel so strongly that uh i do believe god's hand is on it there's no way there's no way it'll be uh it'll be this uh, i'll be this far if he wasn't for that and i think uh i just thank all my the people who supported me up to this uh up to this point and people who still continue to support me and um, it's honestly, like I say, it's a very humbling experience for me as a creator to be able to see the the things that I, uh, the things that I've sketched, the things I've, uh, uh, the guys put in my spirit to really like to be out there being represented and to be out there being uh, lived out. And at the end of the day, that's what I wanted. That's what uh, that's what my heart is for. You know, to for people to feel empowered when they wear my stuff to for people to um to be able to walk and live out their faith in every aspect of life you know not just not just in the church but take the church out in the world and make it a conversation you know and uh and i hope that the thing the the my merch and uh this the clothes that i make uh makes those conversations easier and at the end of the day that's what i that's what that was the heart behind uh what i wanted to do i wanted to solve uh, the problem of that, you know, just reaching people outside the church and reaching people through T-shirt, what I call T-shirt evangelism. Okay. Yeah. What's the What's the goal? Like, as you continue <laughs> your college career, as you you know are are making sales, continuing to make the product. Like, when you look five or ten years from now, mm-hmm. what do you what do you have in mind? So my goal, honestly, uh, my goal for faith industry is is surreal. It's something that I I, I don't think. It's a dream too big for me. It's a dream that I couldn't do on my own. And it's the dream for, honestly, it's bigger than fashion. It's bigger than clothing. Uh, my dream is to, uh, to I, I believe, one of the main things I believe I exist is to empower my generation. And one of the things that I look to do for this brand and for, what, uh, for this ministry is to... Uh, is to really like uh, to cultivate it to be at the forefront of our culture through some through things through beyond just clothes, but uh, through influence, through empowerment, through uh, just walking in uh, walking in your calling, you know. And at the end of the day, like uh, one of my goals for it is when I get enough income for it, when it's start revenues enough income is to uh, to start building like a international. Uh, I was thinking of an international. Um, a conference and not just here in the United States, but build one back in my home country and different hmm. parts of the world. Uh, all based of a Bible verse called in Luke seven that says, "When the Son of Man returns, who will find with faith?" And I want to empower our generation to prepare ourselves to begin walking and to begin uh, uh, being uh, not just part of the world, but to be able to be lights. And I wanted to uh, empower my generation to really just uh, remember. Uh, what we have and uh, that we we do have a voice and we do have uh something to share to the world we do have something to offer then they obviously yes uh with my with my brain i, I want to be able to also uh help other nonprofit and and or companies and organizations that have those goals who have those goals that are aligned with uh the integrity of my brand who are aligned with uh with kingdom mission and i want to be able to support that uh, those things financially and i want to be be able to I want to be able to extend the boundaries of just being a clothing brand, but I want it to be something so much bigger than that. I hope that my brand just reaches a place where I, it could just speak for itself. Okay. 
and I know that obviously your faith has a lot of influence on your business, your experience as uh, an immigrant kid coming mm-hmm. to the United States has a lot of influence on your business. I wonder if Amarello, if you can look at a, a way that Amarello has an influence. I mean, is there something about the community here, whether it's an entrepreneurial spirit, whether it's you know the availability to find um, your your platform or your audience? Is there something about this area that you think has kind of driven you forward? Oh, definitely. So when I was in high school, actually a big something that played a big part uh, with honestly who I am now within this community is WT Enterprise Center. I mm-hmm. think for me, it's really cultivated a, a heart for business and a heart for entrepreneurship at a young age while I was in high school. And I think that's something that's very uh, underrated within our own community. I think if you're if you're an entrepreneur, if you're creative, looking looking for just a, a starting point, I think there's no better starting point than uh, the enterprise. And I think that's something that we have here in the com- in our community that Karidi really, uh, really began to uh, pour into the creatives that we have here and the entrepreneurs who might have ideas that are off the wall, you know. Did you work with them? Oh, actually, I, uh, I was an intern for them uh, for the, my senior year. And okay. It was very humbling for me to be able to do that uh, at a young age and to be for me to meet all these different CEOs in these different companies. And for me to be such, be the, most of the time be the youngest in the room was yeah. something that was I was something that was just surreal and uh, it made me uh, maybe uh, wonder kind of like why is this not being taken advantage advantage of why am I the only one here why isn't there more because I'm, I know I'm not the only one with the gene why is there other students here and I think uh, that's definitely a place where uh, in our community that we have that definitely has a huge influence over our the entrepreneurs here and the creators that we have This episode is sponsored by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings in Amarillo. You know Lazy Boy as a national brand, but some of its stores are independently owned and operated, and that includes the one here in Amarillo. It's owned by the Hawkins family who live here in town. Lazy Boy offers customizable furniture so you can design a look that fits you with special financing and products to fit every budget. Almost everything they sell is American made, and it's a lot more than just recliners. So visit Amarillo's locally owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sonsi. Okay, I'm back with Alani Dihokubwayo of uh, Faith Industries. Alani, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes at least eight modern fashions that were available from the Sears catalog. Uh, I imagine those are very different from the fashions that <laughs> that uh, that you sell. Um, some of those from the 30s and 40s are, are pretty cool. But you can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, so eight straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. Your job as my guest is to answer in as much detail as you want to. Uh, the first one is a question I've been asking all of my guests in recent months. It's what's one thing everything from 2020 uh, has revealed to you about local people? I think it's really exposed us as a community that we've we've lost the ability to really like see each other from uh, different perspectives, and I think uh, given the ra- racial tension, given uh, what's been going around around the world and the outbreak and things like that, I think it's really exposed that within our community. But yet, 
uh, at the same time, we've uh, I think we've also grown stronger as a community in 2020. I just uh, I'm, I only say that because this summer I was. Uh, I had the opportunity to be a part of so many different uh, church organizations and nonprofits, and giving out uh, food drives and things like that. And I've seen just seeing people in my community uh, knocking different doors and asking if asking their neighbors they need their grocery taken out is something. And just being able to see the generosity within our community, I think those things really have. Uh, revealed to us as a community that uh, that we there's still hope in Amarillo, and I think uh, I think uh, I think uh, we have something that most cities don't. We have we have a heart for one another. I think uh, if nothing if nothing more, 2020 has really like built that on. I know in a lot of African cultures, and and you may not have experienced it, or may you may have being so young, but like hospitality is such a big part of daily life oh, you yeah. know that that uh families are just naturally taking care of each other and it's not always the same here in the united states mm-hmm. uh but amarillo is one place where there is a, yeah. a real heart for that and I, I i feel like it's cool to know that those traditions from so many different countries in africa uh let's say or in the middle east are coming to amarillo and kind of finding some common ground oh yeah okay second question what does this area have too much of I would say wind. Okay. I almost fell down the other day when the uh just stepping outside and there's a wind just gust of wind just came out of nowhere. Like I think our almost definitely have too much uh we can tend to have too much wind. Anything like that where you grew up, do you do you remember the weather at all? Uh no, I, I don't remember it being too windy, but uh I remember it being very hot. Didn't really see snow until I got here in the United States. Yeah. So it's it's different. Definitely okay. different. What does this area not have enough of? Uh, I think it would be really dope to see more entertainment centers, mm-hmm. uh, other than um, other than the mall and other than synergy. I think it would be really good to be able to, uh, for us to have uh, more like entertainment centers around Umbrella for like just uh, kids to be able to like have an escape place to be able to go to and really like uh, meet up at and really just uh, be be kids and really like. Um, be detained, you know? Okay. I, I think one of the one of the real problems is that the ones that we do have, whether it's the mall or Synergy, like those are on one side of town. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of kids growing up on the north side or the east side, they don't always have access, you know, whether it's a, a vehicle or, or whatever to to get to that, you yeah. know? And so there's it's it's serving one part of Amarillo, but maybe not all of Amarillo. Exactly. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? You've gone away from college. You've, you know, you've got people in all different states ordering your products. I mean, what what do you tell them about where you live? I tell them Amarillo is not too big. It's not too small. At the same time, it has a very unique, diverse melting pot. And if you want the Texan experience, Amarillo is definitely the spot. Okay. <laughs> Did you have any perspective of Texas like before you arrived in Texas? Like was part of that cowboy kind of idea, something that you'd been introduced to? Uh, so when I first got here in Texas, I actually didn't know nothing about it. Okay. Didn't know the culture, didn't know uh, some of the slang, didn't know like it was the home of the cowboys. I, I didn't introduce to the, I didn't, honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't even get introduced to the, the Texan culture until I moved in Amarillo. Okay. That's not, is even in Dallas, that's not You can escape something. it in yeah, the Yeah, you can escape Dallas. it, yeah, definitely, just because it's a huge city. But yeah, you come here, you're going to see horses on occasion. Yeah. And, okay, what's your favorite local restaurant? 
Oh, this is a tough one. I'll probably have to go with Six Car Pub in downtown. Okay. What do you like about it? Oh, uh, they have the best chicken and waffles. So I highly recommend y'all check them out. So it's I don't know. And they have night. Uh, they have a rooftop ceiling that you mm-hmm. can go up. You, they have I don't know. They just it's the scenery in there is very it's very soothing and um they have great food. I've never it. had the chicken and waffles there. Got to. Okay. They're a must. I'll put it on the list. What's your favorite neighborhood in Amarillo? For me, that's an honest an honest answer for me is probably have to go with my neighborhood, Hamlet neighborhood. Just because I've grown I've grown um I've grown with that neighborhood. Um some of my closest friends reside and my family reside there and some of the kids that I meet up every week for Mission Twenty Five Forty actually uh reside in that area. So I think I've grown uh, I've grown very attached to that uh, that neighborhood and it's, and the people there and the families there and things like that. So for me, I'll have to go with Hamlet. Do do some of the refugee families kind of cluster in places like that? Like you know, when when you guys moved there, um, did you find that there were other Tanzanians in your neighborhood? Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, so in neighborhoods like that, for us, uh, most of us. Most uh, of our people will usually be located in those areas, uh, the apartments around those areas, and and I think uh, for some for some of us, some people are in our culture. Some of us we tend to go in those neighborhoods because of that, mm-hmm. and just because there's a, a strong community there, just because of the the history there, because of the the people there. I think the people there has uh, have a, a deeper heart for one another, just because they all have a common uh, have a common struggle amongst. Uh, one another so so the community is just different in those areas okay when was the last time you visited paladero canyon Ooh, last year with mission 2540 as a as a director uh was so, that with camp awesome yeah camp awesome okay camp awesome is a fun event <laughs> oh yeah right there on the edge of the canyon every year go every year i i love that what happens a lot of years is you have kids going to it who Maybe you've never, never been there. Never been there. You know, they they've never left. You know, five the, mile outside of yeah, Willow. It's the crazy. Circumference of the PD area or mm-hmm. anything like that, and and introducing a place like that to someone who's never seen it is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, just to see the glow in some of those kids' faces, like yeah. wow, in the mountain. It's just it's an awesome experience for me, and something that's very very humbling for me too. Okay, so we've we've been talking about your clothing brand. I, I want to ask, what's your favorite clothing brand? Apart from your own, is is there one that you look at and think, man, that's that's what I want to do? Yeah. So, uh, so when uh, starting out, uh, honestly, I didn't have a, cl- a clothing brand until like I say most just recently, and uh, I probably have to lean with. I have two. I have to lean with three sixteen collection, which is a clothing brand in Dallas. Okay. And um, a brand uh, which I'm really friends with the owner called. Come home, which is a brand located in London, that uh, also kind of like has the same uh, mission statements and goals that I have for my own brand. So it's a brand I also look look up to and really uh, admire. Okay, but you're probably wearing your own brand oh, as yeah. opposed to somebody else's most mm-hmm. of the time, just because it's you know it's my yeah. brand. You, you know? got the you, hat, you got the shirt. You're not going to wear somebody else's gear. At the oh moment. yeah. Okay, so Alani, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So mm-hmm. what's one thing locally that, that you would want listeners to know about or to experience? I would like to endorse uh, uh, a small screen printing company here that's just recently moved in Amarillo like 
two years ago called Darn Dog Custom T-shirts. Okay, and it's a uh, it's a uh, like I say, it's a screen printing company that uh, that helps and uh, promotion promotional gigs. They help. Uh, so if you if you need like custom shirts, custom hoodies, custom beanies, hats for a campaign for a school events for uh, just anything of those natures. Like I, I think they're very underrated, and I think I, I know a lot of screen printing uh, companies here in Amarillo. I think by far, Darn Dog Custom Tea is definitely one of the best one we have here in Amarillo. I think okay. very underrated. I think I definitely highly recommend it. Have you been able to do the screen printing for your products locally, or do? You- oh yeah, I locally just because I want to build that. Uh, I want to build that trust. I want to build that. Uh, uh, just that connection between uh, vendor and customer, mm-hmm. and and uh, just I, I want that relationship. Just I don't want to just contact someone like afar and not know what they do and not right. know anything about them. So uh, I recommend if you're a creative out there, if you're an entrepreneur, and you're looking to start a clothing brand, I definitely recommend that you uh, do you uh, find a vendor locally, just so you can build that trust and that connection uh, uh, personally before doing anything else. Okay. Alani Dijo Cubayo. You got Thanks it. Thanks for being on the podcast. I <laughs> Thank you for it. having me. All right. Appreciate it. I need to say it about four more times and then I'll have it. Uh, right. <laughs> hey, I've heard worse. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Alani for the interview. You can find out more about his business and order your own gear at faithindustry.com. That's F, the number eight, T-H, industry, faith industry. Thanks, as usual, to Angelina Marie for editing the show, for being my personal go-to photographer, and for generally being cool. Also, thanks to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring 8 Straight every week, and to Lazy Boy Home Furnishings for sponsoring this show. The podcast exists every week because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Executive producers of Hey Amarillo through Patreon include Barbara and Jim Whitten, Priscilla, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, and Ryan Pennington. This has been episode 191. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.